Hello and welcome to GB Mag Chats, where we answer the real questions international students have about living and studying in the UK. I'm Sophie, your host, and today we have Bianca and Verinda joining us how to discuss joining us to discuss how to graft the perfect CV. Verinda, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. I was born and brought up in India. And uh, I've been in the UK for about uh, five, six years, like on and off. I've gone to like three universities in the UK. Um, Currently, I'm doing a specialization in digital marketing. Yeah, quite excited to be here. So thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Bianca, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. So I'm Bianca Prinal. I'm originally from Edinburgh. So I grew up in Edinburgh. I'm trained as a career consultant. I've worked in education for over 10 years. I've worked in Asia and uh, most recently Europe as well. So yeah, I'm used to working with a very diverse client group or in the UK as well. Amazing. So I'd love to just come to each of you and ask what it is or why it is that you'll be speaking on this topic particularly. Bianca, I'll come to you first. Yeah, so I guess a big part of the work that I do with clients is job preparation. So mainly focusing on CVs and CV development, helping them polish their CVs up and refining them, but also making sure that they're in the UK format. So as most of my clients are from places across the world, they come to the UK and it's making sure that they understand what is expected from a UK CV, how to structure it, what to put in, what not to put in. And I really am a bit of a CV geek. I always say like I love (laughs) working on CVs and helping people develop theirs. I've had to develop my own over the years. And then when I moved country myself, I struggled to understand okay so my cv has to be changed now from like a uk format to a european one or one that meets the requirements of when i went to work in asia so i've checked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cvs and i think it's such an important part of your career development you know that document is so crucial and uh, it's what I specialise in and what I do predominantly in my day-to-day work. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. I feel like your insight on this, given all of your wealth of experience and knowledge, and I love that you've coined yourself a CV geek. (laughs) That's going to be so useful to so many people, because as you say, I think it's one of those things that people can really worry about. Brenda, if you just want to say a bit about what you'll be talking about from your perspective on this. So I want to talk about the perspective of a student, like international student and a graduate who is new to the UK. I come from India and my CV is very much designed according to Indian standards. Mm -hmm. And when I came to the UK for the first time, I had no idea why my CV was getting rejected. And I don't know, it was because my CV was not designed according to UK standards. Mm. So I guess I could offer that perspective of the challenges I've faced as an international student in the UK and how I tackled those challenges, like the resources that I used. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You've been there and you know it firsthand. And as you've both touched upon, it's not just the crafting a CV as a skill in itself. It's how different CV requirements can be from one country to another. But before we get onto that, I just want to cover for any of our listeners Bianca, what is a CV? Like, what, what, what is the point of it for starters? Yeah, so I guess it's the pivotal document between what you've done and where you are and where you want to be. I think a lot of people don't look at it like that, but it's pretty much your ticket to your dream job, your career progression, promotion, you know, 
getting that job, not just any job, but the job that you really, really want. And the better your CV, the better the job opportunities are going to be. And it's to get you in front of employers and recruiters. The CV itself isn't going to get you the job, but Mm -hmm. it should get you noticed and it should be authentic, genuine, and it should really represent and give an impression of you, what you're about, what you can do for an employer. It's really your ticket to your dream job, as people mm. would say. I love that. That makes it sound like a much more positive thing, doesn't it? It's like something to get excited yeah. about, not something to avoid <laughs> and put off. <laughs> Vrinda, what was your first experience of crafting a British CV? I think at first I was just focusing on uh, the basics. Don't include a photo. In India, we sometimes will include a photo. We'll include our phone numbers because people like to just call you up. Uh, in the UK, we normally like, um, now I'm calling us we <laughs> because I've spent so much time here. But we normally send an email first and set up a phone call. Those things were what I focused on first. And then I started writing a bio, which I hadn't before. Then just becoming more concise because my CV was very cluttered. I wanted to focus on specific things, make it more detail oriented, like specific to me. So like the place I've worked with, these are the campaigns I have designed and not just talk about like I have marketing skills. And I think it's interesting you mentioned before how you found yourself getting rejected or not getting a look in over and over again and then thought, oh, maybe it is the CV. Bianca, would you say more often than not, that is the first place to look if if you do find you're just not hearing back from any job applications or anything? Yeah, I think it is a good place to start. I mean, like Verinda's a great example of she looked at her CV and thought, okay, it's not working for me. What do I need to change? And obviously that awareness that first you do need to change it because if it's not getting you in front of the employer or the recruiter, then yeah, it's not working for you. Then it's time to change something. The way you communicate your skills, your experience, your worth, your value is so crucial. And a lot of international students the main thing they say is that, oh, I don't have enough experience or I don't have any experience. And then you start speaking to them and they have got experience, but they just don't deem it as relevant experience. But then it's also reflecting on what transferable skills have you got that can be transferred to the kind of opportunity you're looking for is how you communicate that and how it comes across and making sure that obviously the CV is tailored to the opportunities you're applying for so there's ways around that but yeah I think it's a great place to start if it's not getting you interviews it's not working then it's time to reevaluate it and get advice or try something else because it is the first step yeah it is it's your first as you say ticket to that dream job and often your first foray into the working world Mm -hmm. so it's got to be tight and often it's the first impression anyone will have of you it really is that important but doesn't have to be scary (laughs) um it can be fun (laughs) Bianca is here to tell you it can be fun (laughs) now to be honest now like as a marketing student I think of it as like a pitch oh I love that to tailor your CV according to the person you're applying to the company so every time I make a CV or write my cover letter I'll be like okay this is my pitch to the client and I want to make it as best as I can for them. I think that's such a good way of looking at it. Yeah, that's something that people should take note of because it does make it fun. And also, actually, that is what it is. You are pitching yourself to that client, to that company. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah. And I think people think because in the UK, there's this kind of, well, across other cultures as well, like this sense of, oh, I don't want to show off or boast, to come across mm-hmm. like I'm boasting. But actually, yeah. if you just look at it at like, OK, well, what have you done? 
where have you achieved things you're not boasting you're actually providing evidence of these things and again it's like just communicating that value that you can add I love that you say providing evidence for because I think that is something where people often fall down as well as Brinda touched upon there's a difference between just saying I can do this I can do marketing and actually providing the evidence you almost build it like a court case don't you so just in terms of some of the hurdles that international students specifically might face where home students might not Bianca, what are some of those that you see particularly from an international student's perspective? Well, I think one of the main things can be use of English as well. So even if English is first language for an international student or their English is even a very good level, it's that language of employability that they're not familiar with. Even home students aren't familiar with, but they're more familiar with it. So international students, that can come across in the wording of their CV. And then obviously that gives off a certain tone and then an impression So that can be something they fall down on. And also, like Verinda's from India, like she mentioned, I have a lot of clients from India and they find that Indian resumes are focused on the technical skills and credentials quite a lot because in India, that's what adds credibility. But in the UK, it's very much balanced between soft skills and your interpersonal skills and your technical skills. And a lot of international students don't understand why is it important that I can speak to people if I can do the job and I'm really highly skilled some of these international students are like MBA level they've got lots of work experience really really amazing technical skills and practical experience but in the CV they're unaware that balance of the soft skills and technical skills is what employers are looking for you know Mm -hmm. that culture fit and they want to get a bit of an insight into the person that's why the personal profile bit which I think we might come on to is quite crucial on a UK CV those are the main things really because they're just not aware you know you don't know what you don't know I always say that's so true and it's yeah it's more about building a well-rounded image isn't it just that rather than just the like what are the hard skills I think you made a great distinction there between technical and soft skills Frinda is that something that you encountered almost for the first time this idea of soft skills and that well-rounded image when you were building your British CV? Yeah, definitely. Coming from India, I was focusing more on grades, which I'm not sure when it comes to like UK employers, they would consider it so important as much as like Bianca mentioned soft skills, my communication skills or like public speaking, that is obviously more important because we're using that more in the job. So yeah, I definitely had to focus on that. It's such such a new way of thinking, isn't it? If it's not something you've done before. Yeah. 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 I would also say that, especially like international students at master's or MBA level, they think that their work experience from their home country isn't always relevant. And you'll speak to them and you'll tease things out of them. And then you find out they've done volunteer work and they've done extracurricular stuff, which for them, they're like, but that's not relevant to the, mm. the, the job I want to get when I graduate. But again, it's like, yeah, but that shows so much more of like you've given up your time to volunteer, you've put yourself forward for things. And that's what UK employers really seek and value, the kind of person that is like that. That's a great point. And you mentioned volunteering. I think from my experience anyway, it's quite standard, isn't it, to include volunteering experience on a British CV. And as you say, if people haven't had to do that before, if it's not valued elsewhere, that can be quite an unusual concept to include that and call it work experience. I think a lot of people would avoid that. So going on to what does it take to build the perfect British CV? Bianca, I'll come to you first. Well, I would say there's I used to say there's no such thing as a perfect CV. I mean, you'll get so <laughs> you'll get so many different types of advice and guidance on CVs but obviously it's got to work for you but I would say the perfect CV 
if we were going to use that terminology as one that will get you noticed by employers and by the right employers as well. So you're not just going to be getting interviews for any job. It's for the jobs you actually want to get. And it's the jobs that will give you that progression in your career and, you know, you can upskill in. And Perfect CV is one that basically communicates a bit of what you've done, but what you mm-hmm. can do and what you want to do mm-hmm. and showcase the best of what you've done and who you are, what you can offer and what is your unique selling point. It's difficult to know that without having reflected on that. You know, it could be that, yeah, you're multilingual and there's companies out there that need someone to speak the language that you speak. So, yeah, what is your unique selling point? You know, how do you get that across? Being authentic, not having cliches in your CV. Basically, a perfect CV is one that gets you the best opportunity you can get at that point in your career. I absolutely agree. There's no one size fits all when it comes to CVs, is there? And it's very mm-hmm. much tailor it. I think that is the biggest advice, isn't it? Just tailor it to yourself, tailor it to any specific job you're going for. Frinda, is that what you find? Is that what you do? Do you sort of specify? I know as you were saying it's like your pitch. So do you make that specific to yeah. each time? Yeah, I think it's very true to how I do it. I mostly applied like a lot of digital marketing agencies and they all have their individual personality. So I try to like match it to their personality. So if I want to work for the specific digital marketing agency, I will tell you what my personality is like. And it can also like depend on the CV colors, like everything, the design, because if it's a website design agency, I want to focus more on that. I want them to see that not just through writing, like what all the content I have on the CV, but also with the format and everything, just show different things I can do in that one document. So the takeaway from that is I think it really depends on the industry you're working in as well. So if you're working in an academic higher education, you want to formulate your CV according to that. I think it's interesting you mentioned design, especially because that I think is a burning question a lot of people have. Bianca, do you have any top tips about both design, but also appropriate length is another one. I think a lot of people are never sure. I see a lot of CVs that are far too long. Bianca, what are your tips when it comes to, yeah, layout and format? Is there yeah. helpful hints there? Well, I would always suggest not using templates, for example. It's very tempting to use Canva, like Microsoft templates, but I get sent a lot of CVs and I'm seeing the same templates. So that means ah. employers are as well. So it's not original and you just basically put in content. And also you might find that there's stuff that you've done that don't fit into those sections on the template. So you're shooting yourself in the foot, so to say. So I would say stay away from templates and just yeah. use a simple structure where you've designed it yourself. You're happy with it. Keep it simple, neat, consistent font, no longer than two pages, I would say, for a UK CV. Mm-hmm. And like Verinda said, no photo, no date of birth, no marital status, no blood type. I've seen it all. <laughs> and these things, you know, aren't. Yeah, blood type. Yeah, blood type. See, that is amazing. I never. Mum and dad, blood type as well. Um, no. Yeah, and passport number, visa status, these things. You know, you don't need to put those as irrelevant. Whether you can do the job or not. So those kind of basic things
looking at other people's CVs that mm. are um, successful. Yeah, the comparing to others is a good thing. I can, I can imagine sometimes people find that daunting, but actually I think you're right to look at what other people are doing, not to copy it or mimic it, but the more you can do that, the better. And CV workshops as well. I don't know, Bianca, if you do those in groups or anything, but they can be really helpful. Yeah, I do those, but also, you know, university career services, make sure that as an international student, you're utilising those services, you have access to them, you're entitled to them and Mm -hmm. go along and get your CV looked at, get some advice, but then go away and do your own research as well. You'll get different advice from different people and then it's amalgamating that all and then coming up with your own formula. And you said about utilising those workshops and things while you're still at university. Would both of you, from both your perspectives, recommend you start thinking about this quite early? Like, what do you think is the point when you want to start planning your CV, really? Rinda, I'll ask you first. I started thinking about it when I applied, actually. So I was already thinking of, like, applying to jobs, like, very early on. So I started building my CV. And there are so many services available to you at university. I remember we had this software that gave you points on your CV sections, and then it would recommend you things you can do to improve it. That was very helpful as a starter. It was all automated, so it wouldn't give you like personalized feedback, but it was helpful to make it better. And yeah, there were loads of like CV workshops at university, so those are always good. You should attend that as a student because those are free and good information. And Bianca, what do you think? When would you recommend is the right time to start thinking about these things? Yeah, like Verinda says, when you've chosen a course and then you know it's looking into, okay, what can I do? Why am I doing this course? What can I do after it? And then making yourself not known, uh, to, not too known by the career services, but attending events. They're all free. There's great events with employers as well that universities put on. So Mm -hmm. you can create those links and contacts. And from day one, really, you should be familiarising yourself with the career support that's available because it goes like that, your course, and especially if you're doing a master's or an MBA, it will go so quick that you cannot leave it to the last minute. And then with international students, they also, well, not so much now, but before they had visa expiry date and a lot of them left it too late and then had to go back to their home country. And then it's a lot more difficult, obviously, to get a job in that situation. So yeah, from day one, seek out the services, know what's available, have a careers appointment, and then basically think about where you want to be at the end of your course and then take those steps backwards to then start taking the steps now to make that happen it's also helpful because a lot of students international students who come to the UK they will work part-time so if you are applying for part-time work you will be submitting your CV so through that you will be able to update it and improve it further so it is helpful to build your CV like at least have that initial format and basic things on it and then as you progress you'll be able to improve it Yeah, and so many of them don't put their part-time job on their CV because they're like, oh, it's not relevant, it's not important. And I'm like, yes, it is, it is important. There is a place for it on your CV. And you've already actually like got a job in the UK. You've went through the recruitment process. You've been interviewed. You've got a part-time job. Mm -hmm. It is an achievement. And you've got experience in a UK workplace and loads of them don't put it in. I mean, some of them have like two part-time jobs as well. It's amazing. I think that's the key takeaway from that actually, isn't it? Is that don't cast anything off as irrelevant automatically because there might be things that you think have no place on your CV and they really do. And as you said, Bianca, there's always transferable skills you can take, even if there's not that direct link. 
So we've talked a bit about what to include and what not to include. One thing I think we certainly hear a lot and I think people ask a lot is what do you think about hobbies? What to include, you know, personal life-wise, hobbies and skills. Bianca, what's your advice on that front? Yeah, it's an interesting one. My advice, and of course, people don't have to take this, but you don't really need hobbies or interests at a university level, I think. When you're leaving school, it's maybe slightly different, but hobbies and interests, reading, socialising, listing things like that, I would say you don't really need. If you are going to include hobbies, then professionalising them in a way that it's extracurricular activities. So, for example, if you play in a football team or you play sports, some people put it in a hobby section, but actually you could put that in extracurricular because you're playing in a team, you'll have to train with the team, you might play competitive matches. So professionalising things that you're doing in your free time. Other than that, leave it out. So travelling, socialising, reading, I would say you don't need at that university level. It comes back again, doesn't it, to giving things a context if you're going to include them. So rather than a blanket, don't include, it's just include it in a way that feels tailor-made, isn't it? Brenda, what do you think about that? I can actually give you an example for that. So storytelling is a very important skill to have in marketing. And I love to write. So I love to write short stories. I love writing poems and everything. Mm. So that is a hobby of mine. I don't actually write as a profession. So I've added that because I know that will be useful for me. And this is like what Bianca told me. Like before, I just had my hobbies. So I play guitar. I like to read. I like to swim, all that kind of stuff. And then when she told me about this, I wrote, okay, I like to write. I love storytelling. So that adds to it. We don't want anything irrelevant on the CV because we have such little space and we're already trying to like put so much on it. So just use whatever you're right, like adding to it. Yeah. And things like writing in your free time and writing short stories, that's relevant to the area that you're in. And then you could even have a section that's personal development. So it's like things that you're doing in your free time but you're developing yourself and it might not be even directly related to the profession or industry you want to get into but it's still you developing yourself and it's a bit more again professionalizing it as opposed to just saying hobbies which downplays Mm -hmm. it a little bit and it sounds a bit more high school I would say but definitely like personal development or extracurricular put it in that section and bulk it out a bit like you could put a link to some of the short stories you've written or if you have like a website for them link to them and things like that that's actually a really good point because most creative students like people who are in the creative industry they will want a portfolio from you so it's always nice to like have that link somewhere on your cv so in case they're interested in your cv then they can go and look for more content from you Absolutely. And that all just goes into making your CV stand out, as I know we've already said a bit about, but that is what this comes down to, really, isn't it? Often you'll be submitting a CV for a job where they're going to see hundreds of CVs. You really want yours to be memorable and have an impact. Bianca, how would you recommend people make their CV stand out? <laughs> yeah, so... Mm, yeah. Very broad <laughs> question. <laughs> you want to stand out in the, for the right reasons, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I think, actually, to be honest, I get sent so many, and it's mm-hmm. actually the aesthetics of the CV initially, if yeah. it has been laid out nicely, if it looks neat, if it looks tidy, because people totally, like, skim the CV for, like, 
seconds or less first and then you decide you want to read it so if it's aesthetically pleasing and Mm. everything's aligned and neat and tidy then you know the person's put effort in you know that they've looked at it reviewed it edited it and then the name and then the personal profile or professional summary as you might call it Mm. or statement they skim that and then they decide right okay I'm engaged I want to read more about this person Mm. so things like that people are so quick to look at CVs and disregard them you know and yeah and we're shooting we like things that look nice yeah of course and as you say look nice doesn't necessarily mean you know all the bells and whistles it can just be something that just looks clear and easy to read it's mm-hmm. instantly can be off-putting isn't it we said earlier that cluttered look if you're looking for reasons to disregard CVs that's going to be one of them isn't it and obviously you mentioned the personal profile which we definitely will talk about do you think it's fair to say often that can be as far as people get in the CV and you can lose them like that with that personal profile, do you think? Yeah, it can It can either engage the reader or yeah. repel them. And I think only because I see a lot of CVs, I see the same words that are used, the same phrases like, you know, I'm very passionate, I'm enthusiastic, I'm motivated, I can work well by myself and as part of a team. These are mm-hmm. very overused you know, yeah. phrases and words. But I only know that because I look at so many CVs. So, so many, yeah. And then if I'm seeing that, employers are seeing it and it's like, okay, if, if you are passionate, put it in, but then say why you're passionate or what you're passionate about or back it up with some kind of evidence. So yeah, you can really lose someone at the professional summary section, mm. definitely. And Verinda, I know you mentioned earlier about the personal summary being something that you hadn't had to do for your CV in India. What was your first experience of writing that? How did you approach it? Oh, it was challenging (laughs) because you don't get a lot of words. And I normally love to write. So I will like write a whole page. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I'll just write and write and write. But it's about making it concise and making it very relevant to the job and what you want them to see. So it was hard for me at first, but I guess you need to keep improving it. And feedback is very important, I feel like when you're talking about bio or like CV in general, just get it checked by anyone. Akarya's consultants are always like great like people to go to if you need feedback, but also the people you're applying to. So any company that I've applied to, I always write them an email after asking for feedback. Like, what did you think? Even though if they have rejected me, I will ask, what do you think? How do you think I can improve? So that makes the CV better and your cover letters as well the quality will get better. You just need to be open to learning and improving. So it was challenging at first, but now I feel like I can write a bio. I still have trouble making it concise, (laughs) but I normally know what should go in. Yeah. And Bianca, what is that? Do you think, obviously, as we've said, there is no one size fits all, but what, as a general recommendation, how would you approach that? What are you looking to get into that personal profile bit? And and also how long, as we've said, you don't have many words to say it in. Yeah, like Verinda said, it's like being really concise and it really comes across if someone's not done that reflection on what they do have to offer, what their unique selling point is or what they actually want their CV to get them. And that's when it becomes quite generic. You know, three Mm -hmm. things to cover in a personal statement would just be what is your current situation? So I'm a master's student studying international business at whatever university. And then you would very briefly touch on where you've gained your experience, whether it's working in retail or working on or doing an internship or something. And then maybe like two of your top professional skills, something about your personal attributes, like your top two personal attributes, and then what you're looking for now and why. Mm -hmm. And not ending with 
a sentence like I want to gain skills or I want to gain knowledge because you've already got skills you've already got knowledge so you want to focus on what you do have not what you don't have so those three things really it takes work and it takes editing as well and the way it's written as well is going to give a huge impression about your written communication skills and the tone so like Verinda said getting someone to read over it edit it down it should Mm -hmm. be more than like five six sentences and no like cliche words like authentic as well you know you want to really be like yeah this is what I want I'm looking Mm -hmm. for this kind of opportunity I think sometimes being more specific is better so it's difficult to be specific especially for students they feel like then they're narrowing their options and they might put Mm -hmm. off some employers but actually you're going to attract the right employers if you're specific and you come across like you know what you want and you know what you're looking for. Mm. Graduates struggle with that because they feel like, I'll just want any job, you know, and they get into panic mode. But no, it's okay to be specific and carve that niche out for yourself. Yeah, definitely. And as you say, it's not necessarily being so specific that you box yourself in. It's the opposite. It's knowing what you want. You're showing that you're going after that and having that clear direction is really appealing, isn't it? I would just like to add the point of we are also looking for the right employer. It's not just about the employer looking for the right employee. We want to work with someone that we're going to have a good connection with. We're going to enjoy the work. So you're only helping yourself. You don't want a job that you're going to get bored with in like a year. You know, you want to improve in that job. You want to keep progressing in that company. It's for your benefit that you make it more specific and find the right employer. Yeah, you're not just firing your CV off to anyone who will have you. You're wondering if you'll have them as well. I think that's a really good point. And I think especially when you're first starting out, you can feel a bit like it's a one way thing. And it's not. You are looking for what's right for you as well. I think that's a great point. I just want to ask both of you about maybe some of the common obstacles or even just worries and fears that people have when they first set out to approach this. Frinda, can you remember any specific worries that you had when you were tackling your first British CV? I think the first worry was that I wouldn't stand out. Mm. Like my CV would be very generic because starting out, I didn't have a lot of experience. The experience I did have matched with a lot of my peers because we always used to like look over each other's CVs and we would get feedback and we would see that we have a lot of common things on our CVs. So my first worry was, okay, I'm not going to stand out. And I thought about everything that I had done and I would find like specific things that they didn't have. And I would put that on there, like skills that employers would look for that others didn't have. Mm -hmm. So for example, I was part of the debate team in school. So I would put that on because a lot of people didn't have the public speaking skill on their CV. So just trying to make it more specific, like finding ways and always trying to improve. Bianca, what do you think about the common obstacles? Yeah, I think like Verinda said, finding your unique selling point so you can be studying the same course as all your peers. And it's like, well, what's going to set you apart from having the same masters? So that's a really good piece of advice. Also, a lot of international students, they lack confidence. It could be that they feel like their English language isn't good enough when actually it is because they're studying at an English speaking university. They've proven themselves in that sense, but they still feel that because English is not their first language, whatever that is, that affects their confidence. And they think that employers maybe might judge them on that. Mm. And then that obviously comes across in their CV with how they approach their CV and written English as well. But also Mm. international students, a lot of the time, think, oh, well, I don't have experience or I don't have UK work experience. 
and then focusing on what they don't have again affects their confidence it's only once you start speaking to them and you know teasing things out of them asking them questions that there's all these things they've done outside the UK or in their home country where it's amazing things and even coming to study as an international student is amazing and that builds your resilience and you're dealing with cross-cultural differences and you're adapting your communication style all those things they very much downplay I think and Mm -hmm. those things should be celebrated in your CV and use that to your advantage for sure Mm -hmm. like having that global mindset is so valuable I think especially now that companies are valuing diversity so much I feel like that's such a good thing to have on your CV yeah the last question I just want to ask both of you before we go to our do's and don'ts as we conclude the episode Bianca I'll come to you first what would you say to somebody whose inclination was well I don't have enough to say about myself I'm just going to make it up or to put it more lightly people who want to embellish maybe rather than outright lie what's your advice (laughs) on that (laughs) Uh, well obviously it would be like no never do that (laughs) (laughs) you will get caught out and you do maybe you should go into storytelling then you know (laughs) but yeah because you're only going to get to the interview stage and then anything you put on your cv they can ask you about in an interview so even if you've said that you speak a language fluently and you don't really speak it fluently yeah that you can get caught out on so I would say no if you need to do that then you need to think why do I need to do that what am I missing Mm. Where are my gaps? And then there's so many ways you can easily fill gaps these days. You know, there's all these online courses that a lot of them are free mm. now as well. You don't have to pay for any like Udemy, Coursera, LinkedIn Learning. You know, you can bridge these knowledge gaps, put that on your CV and you're doing it in the meantime. So even if you've started a course, you've started a volunteering opportunity, mm. you put that on your CV once you start it. And yeah. that can be enough to get you an interview for yeah. the next opportunity. So don't lie. <laughs> you're only fooling yourself. You're only cheating yourself. And it's not going to be good when you get yeah. caught out. It's not worth it. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not worth it. People do it. And sometimes I think it's not even intentional. It's like they've yeah. just got a bit carried away. But yeah, you need to be very careful with that, I would say. Mm. Definitely. Vrinda, what's your take on that? I'm the same. Like, I feel like it just sets a bad impression because the people who are interviewing you, they are very experienced. They will catch you in a second, you know, and that goes in your file because I think they can keep your information for a while. So it stops you like if it's a company you really want to work for, it'll stop you from applying for a very long time. So definitely like stay away from that but (laughs) there's so many things it's just about narrowing down what you're good at and finding good examples absolutely nothing can stop you if you have that gosh yeah yeah you're only letting yourself down really yeah there's those funny memes about or when you lie on your cv and then you get the job and it's like you stick out like a sore thumb and it's just yeah yeah it won't it won't make you happy you'll just end up you know Trying to fake it till you make it and you probably won't make it. (laughs) So as we start to wrap up the episode, what we usually do at the end of these podcasts is we go through our do's and don'ts. So I'm going to come to each of you and ask for one do and one don't, just to sum up the learnings of everything we've talked about and the main takeaways for anybody listening. Bianca, I'll come to you first. Yeah, so I guess for my do with CVs is put the groundwork in, put the time and effort in yourself, but also seek advice. But yeah, putting that groundwork in initially, and like Runda said, it's, it's a working document. It's never going to be finalised. 
never going to be finished. But if you put the initial work in, you, you get to understand, you know, how CVs are, you know, how the actual skill of CV writing. And once mm. you know that, it's just going to be so much easier to keep adding to it and using that language of employability and your English for your career purposes. So do put in the effort and the groundwork. And I would say don't assume anything for your CV. So don't assume that your CV is the same as the CVs in your home country. Don't assume that it's one size fits all. Don't assume that you shouldn't put something in. Do your research and basically double check because it's more detrimental sometimes to leave things out than it is to put it in. But yeah, if you think about the return of investment, it's such an important document. So do put the effort in and don't assume that things aren't relevant. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) And Verinda, how about you? I think the only thing I would add is just make points. Uh, First of all, do the company, like do your research on the company, the role and the skills that you have. And then make points and try to match your skills to what the company is looking for. And then start writing your CV uh, if you want to make a tailored CV. That kind of helps you to put all the relevant information instead of first starting to write like, okay, these are all the skills I have. So make it fun for yourself. Do like a little like matching exercise. And then don'ts would be just don't include your photo. Don't include like things that you're not supposed to include in a UK CV. And don't include any irrelevant things. Read your CV, get it checked by someone else, get different perspectives and see like what everyone's saying. And if there's like a common thing that everyone's saying that you shouldn't include, then uh, remove it. If you are doubtful about something, remove it. Yeah, that's a good tip. And don't lie. Just to reiterate that one more time. (laughs) Just just in life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. This has been really insightful and so helpful. Hopefully we've made it seem like a less daunting task facing the dreaded CV crafting. And it's fun. We can make it fun. Enjoy it. Yeah, Yeah, own it. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, thank you both of you for joining us. It's been great to have you. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thank you very much.